Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is preventing freight fraud with my friend Dale Prax. Dale is the founder and CEO of Freight Validate, a carrier and freight broker identity verification and vetting system serving shippers, carriers, and freight brokers. Fraud is a huge problem in our industry. Dale and the Freight Validate team can help you avoid becoming the next victim. So please take a listen. How's it going, Dale? Very well. How are you doing today, Joe? Doing great. Doing great. We we blabbed so long, I thought we weren't going to ever get to the podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> it was my pleasure, really. So, Dale, please introduce yourself and your companies and where you're calling from today. Sure. My name is Dale Prax. I'm the president and CEO of Direct Expedite, which is a ground freight expedited freight brokerage. I'm also the founder and CEO of Freight Validate, which is an identity uh, verification system to prevent fraud, double brokering, and uh, identity theft in the freight industry. Yes, which is because... And, I, and, I'm, and I'm here in, te- in, in the beautiful Harriman, Tennessee, uh, right outside the Smoky Mountains. Very nice. Very nice. Now, how close is that is to Nashville for those of us who are... I'm about about an hour and a half, two hours away from Nashville. As a matter of fact, I'm heading there after this podcast today. Ah, very nice. Very nice. Dale, getting back to you, you got two companies. So your direct exponent, what do you guys do there? Who do you serve? We serve the air freight forwarding community. We specialize in expedited freight using sprinters, small straight trucks, and large straight trucks. Our customers are, again, air freight forwarders. And because sometimes it can't go on the, in the air, you may have to go on the ground and be expedited. So we, we deal with time critical, just in time, and expedited freight uh, over the ground for these customers. So the, the market's taken a little bit of a hit in the last year or two. Is that also hit the expedite market? Actually, I've been working in the expedited market for about 30 years. I've done truckload and reefer and all those kind of things. But I decided about five years ago to really, six years ago, to hit the niche of really dealing with expedite. Now, what we found is that every time that there is an issue within anywhere in the market, expedite seems to stay the same or maybe even grow a little bit. We had a fantastic November where some of my truckload uh, colleagues have not done so well. But through COVID, tests had to be sent out, results had to be submitted. So we were really busy during COVID. Everybody was really busy during COVID. But when the market slows down, just in time really comes into play where people aren't really manufacturing and keeping things in the warehouse. They're making it just in time. They may ship two or three pallets rather than a truckload just to get the product to market. We have really been fortunate in this industry to really stay alive and, and sometimes flourish. Yeah, congrats on that. For And I know some people are like, hey, stop bragging, Dale. Everyone else is bragging if it's true, right? Yeah, everybody else is scratching to keep it going. So that's your direct expedite business. Get back to Freight Validate. What problems are you solving and who do you work with on that? With Freight Validate, this is something we started about, about eight months ago, back in April. We found that there was an issue with fraud in the marketplace. Everybody's If you go to any conference, one of the first things they talk about, and they talk about the loudest, is fraud. Double brokers, illegal dispatch services, identity theft, cargo theft. Those are just huge things. And back in April, I was at the TIA conference down in Tampa. And there's, again, a lot of chatter about about fraud and double brokering. And I just kept hearing the problems, but there really weren't any solutions. There were some companies out there that were trying to fix the problem. 
I've been a broker for almost a little over 30 years. And the problem is, is so much in the subjective data that a lot of these guys are using, like how many, for instance, how many inspections had a truck had? If a truck hasn't had so many inspections in a certain amount of time, maybe they're considered to be a potential red flag for double brokering. And while that's true, I don't think that should be a disqualifier. I, I just consider that to be more like profiling somebody if you're looking at subjective data. And we decided we're going to build an app that looks at objective data. Is the person legally in business? Are they who they say they are? We use some facial recognition for some of those things. We look to see if they're certified at the Secretary of State's office, have their authority, have their, their corporation is with the Secretary of State's office is valid. We see that it matches the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration records. We check to see if they're working out of a virtual office. You would believe that there are over 11,000 carriers that are active that are working out of places like a post office box, a staple store, or FedEx offices that don't have a real office. That's in violation of CFR 49.5, CFR 390.5T. You have to have a crystal place of business. Matter of fact, on the MCSA1 application, it says we will not approve an authority of someone that works out of a post office. Every single day, there's another guy getting his authority that works out of a post office box. Yep. Yep. And I think we have in the past, and I think it's changing because companies like yours and others that are out there, it's going to change because of the freight fraud. There's always been carriers who said, oh yeah, we were a carrier, yet they didn't have too many of their own trucks. They basically had owner operators. And whether those owner operators had the right legal arrangements with that carrier, we were pretty loosey-goosey on that. And it didn't seem to hurt us any. And I think when you talk about freight brokerage or 3PL business, I think we've been pretty happy to say, oh, yeah, so-and-so is an agent of mine. He works from home. He works from wherever. And they might have had their own say in their own company, whether they were or not. We've always gotten by with that stuff until recently. And now it's coming to haunt us. And We'll get more into this in a minute, but I think it's so important. And I know there's other companies out there. I've talked to them that, and I, and by the way, it's going to take more than one company. It's going to take a small army of these kind of companies because there are so many potential pitfalls to it all. And, and we'll talk about the various freight fraud before we hit record. When I said, what should we call this? And you said, for preventing freight fraud, for double brokering freight fraud. You went on and on. Now it can't be that long, Dale. So we just preventing freight fraud. That's a catch-all for many things that we'll talk about in a minute. Let's circle back here and talk about that in a minute. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Some career highlights before you started your two companies. Yeah, sure. I, I grew up in a small town called Pine City, Minnesota, just north of Minneapolis-St. Paul. My family moved down to little further closer to the Twin Cities when I was in about six or seven, I'm sorry, first or second grade, about six, seven years old, something like that. So I lived there until I was about, I guess I was 15 years old when I moved out of my home. Not a great family growing up in, but so I decided I'd, I needed to go on my own for a while. So at a very young age, I had my first apartment. At a very young age, I owned my own house. But when I got to be 17 years old, I didn't like school. I just wasn't, I was one of those guys that just honestly didn't like school. So I decided to join the Marine Corps. I told my recruiter, give me whatever you got. I just want to be a Marine. I don't care what program you put me in. So I went an open contract. I was assigned uh, duties as, a, as an administrative guy, a legal guy. So I spent, my t spent our time in the military as a legal guy. In 1990, 
I was lucky enough to be selected one out of about 13,000 people that applied for warrant officer that year. A warrant officer is a specialist in their field, so I feel like I was pretty good at it. So I was promoted, selected for warrant officer. From then, I went to work for a great Marine general, General Livingston, who was a Medal of Honor winner on his commanding general's inspection team. My job was to go to places and find their problems and fix them. So I did that for quite a long time before I, I left after 20 years of service and in about, 19, in about 2000. And so I think that led me up to getting into freight and transportation because I knew my dad was an owner-operator truck driver, and I knew that there were problems with transportation back in those days. Deregulation came, more problems came. Brokers' roles came in, everything was messed up. So I just made a decision that when I got out, I was going to get into the freight business and try and fix some things about it and build companies that would make it better. So I've been doing that now for almost 30 years. I was in the reserves for part of that time. So then I, I went to work for an air freight company, learned to expedite freight. I've been doing that for almost 30 years. And then about six months ago, like I said, that's when I really started to say, there's to see even more of this fraud. And there is something that I think I can do about it with the help of, like you said, you can't, we know nobody can fix this on their own. So there are certain segments of the fraud portion that I really key on. I have friends of mine in the business that call me the freight fraud czar because I really take no prisoners. It's almost going to war. You have to have a strategy. And we have a strategy and we have a way to, to, to find the bad guys, seek out, destroy, as we used to say, and that's what we're trying to do. Yep. By the way, before we hit record, I was saying this to you and I still think it's true. I say every time I have somebody on from with military background is that not everybody knows this, but I know this, is that for the most part, the military invented logistics and their brand of logistics is truly life and death. And the volumes, I think we could look at World War II as a perfect example. It was one because of logistics and supply chain. Not that you don't have brave soldiers at the front, but without the weapons and the tanks and the planes and all that stuff and the logistics guys who get it there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, funny when you looked at today's world, a catastrophe in logistics is my ELD is not working. Something's going wrong. Back then, you're moving this stuff across the country, but you're getting shot at too. Right. We think our uh, sometimes our loads are life and death, but when you're talking the military, most of their loads are life and death. And by the way, we've all paid attention to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine and Russia. And I watch the generals and the colonels and all the retired military guys talk. And what do they all say? Russia is really bad at logistics. They, they all say it. And, and right now, I think this we're talking December 5th. I just saw that their worst week was this week. And you go, God almighty. I feel for the Russian people having to go through this nonsense, but and the Ukrainians, obviously. But again, logistics is the key to, to, to successful military. Not the only key, but one of the keys. It's a huge part of it. And that's why it's so important. That's, that's why a lot of money is spent in logistics in the, in the armed forces. Yep. Let's talk about preventing freight fraud. So first off, I want you to define freight fraud for us. So I know there's multiple kinds. So why don't you talk about double brokering first? What is that and how does it happen? Double brokering is really, my definition is that when, when a shipper gives to a, a motor carrier or a broker a load, they know who they're giving the freight to. Now, when the broker takes it and gives it to a carrier, everybody still sees that transaction. It's very transparent. Where the breakdown happens is when that carrier gives it to another carrier without having broker authority 
And if they do have broker authority, does the shipper and the broker know that he's doing that? So the breakdown is that through the process from the shipper to the consignee, everyone has to know who has the chain of custody of the freight. What happens in a double brokering situation is the carrier gets the freight, he gives it to another carrier who may give it to another carrier who gives it to a broker. There's just, it, the, the chain of custody just totally breaks down. The problem with double brokering, if anybody that, that, that's been doing freight brokering for any more than two years has said they've never been double brokered, I wouldn't believe that for a minute. They haven't caught anybody double brokering them. I'll believe that. But there's double brokering that is for profit and people are doing it. There may be in other countries that are very good at doing it, so they never get caught. There are guys that do it for the simple reason that I'm going to do it for long enough to make enough money and not pay the carrier and go out of business and then start another MC number and continue the cycle. That's, that is a different side of the fraud. Yep. So I was telling you, before we hit record today, I saw on LinkedIn last night, and there was a lot of comments on it. Somebody I was connected to on LinkedIn had a big post, and it was a broker. And he said, I got some regular customer, got a load. I asked carrier A to move that load for me. And that and carrier A asked carrier B to go pick it up and deliver it. So that's the double brokering. And he said, in addition, I told my shipper, their warehouse, make sure you see the MC on the side of the truck and make sure you see the right name on the side of the truck. They didn't do that. Carrier B delivers it. So it wasn't no, no theft. And when the broker found out, he says, I'm not paying carrier A or carrier B. Now, I don't know if that's right or wrong. But forget that. But, but the, there's a lot of victims in this because the, first off, you took a risk because I don't know, I don't know carrier B from anyone else. I, I didn't vet them. And so the broker is victimized. Carrier B is victimized because they probably thought hey, this was legit. I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And obviously the shipper put their freight at risk. How do we prevent that? I'll go back a little bit to our company over at Direct Expedite. By the broker saying, what's your MC number? Does it match the door? We asked them to send us a picture of that with a selfie with the driver taking the picture. So we know exactly who's there. If the MC number doesn't match, revert to rule number one. We go back. So this, And the shipper has a fiduciary responsibility. It's his freight to when I send them that information, make sure a match and the driver pulls up the, at the dock. But we also, at Direct Expedite, we have a 31-point checklist that we go through all of these kind of things as far as vetting. <laughs> For those watching on video, you've got that checklist in, yeah. in your background there. And we, we have that because we want to make sure that every shipment is goes through a quality assurance process. That's how things don't happen. That's how things like this are avoided. We know that, okay, we have a picture of the driver before he gets there. Also, we have to go through freight validate to make sure he's a validated company. So if we, and we have facial recognition there, many of our really good companies have decided to go for the platinum side of freight validate, which means there's facial recognition of the owners, the uh, principals, the officers, of the company, and if they want to, their employees. So I know which driver is pulling up. So the next time I use that company, okay, which driver do you have? Okay, we know him. We don't have to ask for a driver's license or any of those kind of things. We have a picture of him through our facial recognition that he took a selfie of, and it can match up with the ship. So there's things like that to go together. One of the, the issues that we had, and it goes into the second point I'm going to talk about with, with freight fraud, is identity theft. You may remember a few months ago, there was a problem with people who were going in somehow getting a PIN number or some way changing the email address and phone numbers for, a, for an MC number to make it look like they were somebody else. So some, somehow they were getting in, infiltrating 
the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's database to get that action to happen. So how did they want to fix this? From that point forward, you had to send in, if you want to make a change to your records with Federal Motor, you had to send in a copy of your driver's license to prove it's you. I can send a copy of anybody's driver's license. So brokers were asking the guy, to, hey, I need a copy of your driver's license so I can show the shipper who you are. Not going through a facial recognition, nothing, just grabbing it. And then they're taking that same ID card from this good driver and sending in and changing his MC number before he picked up the load. Then the fraud starts. You have to go through facial recognition to rent a car at Avis. Why can't we do it in the trucking industry? Uh, by the way, I've, I haven't seen the commercial lately, but I saw it enough times that it's stuck in my head. Is that safe light? They replace windshields, so you've got a crack in your windshield. So you used to have to drive over somewhere and get that done, but now they'll do it in your driveway. And what Safe Light does is when they you book the appointment, uh, you give them your email and you get your phone, and then when you got the repair guy on his way, you get a text or an email with his picture. Hey, Dale is coming over to f replace your windshield. Now, um, a lot of people would say, I don't need that. I, he's either replacing my windshield or not. But there's a lot of people who feel like, I don't know who's knocking on my door. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to feel unsafe. And obviously the technology's there. We all, not you and I, not, not our age group necessarily, but I'll, Half the population is taking a lot of pictures of themselves <laughs> and they know how to use these mobile phones. So put them to work. When you walk to Walmart, we're recording you. There's a picture of you when you're walking through Walmart aisles. You want to rent a car. You want to do almost anything anymore that's done online. People want to know the identity. We can, I can very easily say I'm somebody. The example I try to give to these poor owner operators, since my dad was one, I'll use this example. They're lending credit to a broker that they don't even know. Right? They're saying, you can use my truck. I'm going to expect you to pay me in 30 days. I hope you do. And they're doing that off of their MC number. They're checking Federal Motor. Oh, he's got an MC number. He must be good. I'm going to move this load for him. I'm going to get paid. Would a bank do that? Could I walk in as a broker to a bank and say, hey, I want to take out a loan. Could you give me $2,000? What's your name? It doesn't matter. Here's my MC number. Go away. So we have to have that same mentality when we're dealing with commerce. Yeah, we've got, as I said earlier, we got very loosey-goosey about it. So the one thing you said, the first thing, the first freight fraud you, you can solve is this double brokering. And the second one is, am I right to just say it's identity theft? Identity theft, sure. And when they say identity theft in this case, it's potentially your MC, right? And so how do you prevent identity theft? When someone enters in the MC number of the motor carrier that they're going to tender freight to, or the carrier tenders enters the MC number of the broker he's going to take freight from, they type the MC number. We'll be able to tell them, um, are they who they say they are? Are they, because we check to see if they're with the Secretary of State's office, who the owner is, all those kind of things. We check to make sure that the telephone numbers match our several different databases. If they're duplicate numbers, does he have another number with another MC number? And when that happens, our database goes through and checks to see if they're duplicate telephone numbers, addresses, uh, names, all those kind of things against Federal Motor and against some proprietary work and some public uh, information, because there's a rule that says you have to you have to disclose to the federal government when you apply for your authority. Are you affiliated in any way with any family member or part ownership in any other company? And so most people that are bad guys check no, and the government doesn't check that. But we have checks to see. Okay, you have 15 MC numbers, all have the same telephone number all have the same suite number in a building that's a post office. 
you're affiliated. And so when I go to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration FOIA office and I get a copy of your MCSA1, MCS150, MCSA1, or what, OP1, whatever document I get, I can check very easily to see, are you, did you mark that you're affiliated with them? If you didn't, you're not going to get very validated because you have lied to the government. And there's a block in there that says, I'm signing this document against perjury. You lied to the government. That makes you a not very validated person. So we're not we're checking those things to make sure that the person that you're dealing with is who they say they are. Yeah, you're not going to get anything by this warrant officer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So, so we talked about double brokering. We talked about identity theft. What's another kind of theft or freight fraud that's happening? Illegal double brokers. Um, this is a big thing, and, and people. Some people think that double broker. Not, not I'm sorry. Ill, illegal dispatch services. Illegal dispatch services, there are legal dispatch services that work for companies, and that's okay. But there are really nine rules that the, that the Federal Motor Carrier State Administration laid out determining what's a bona fide agent or, or a, a um, broker's dispatch service. And most of these guys don't meet those wickets at all. The problem is they're not regulated. They'll go out there and get, get a corporation, get incorporated in the city or state and be in business. But these guys are violating the law every single day. So we call them idiots, really. Those are illegal dispatchers in our trucking system. So we're trying to get rid of idiots that are posing as what they'll do is they'll just latch on to the guys getting their new authorities every day that they'll get that list. And they'll say, hey, I'll be your dispatch service. I'll be your dispatch service. I'll find loads for you. That's illegal. You can't do it that way. You can't, you have to be working for one MC number, one carrier, and dispatching loads for them. You can't be a broker without a broker's authority. And that's what those guys are doing. And we're trying to stop all of those. We're trying to add actually into our next, our next round of upgrades to freight validators to get lists of those dispatch services, their phone numbers, the MC numbers they're representing. We find guys that there was one last week we found that had 38 MC numbers that he's representing. He's quoting loads out. The same quote is getting quoted by the same guy, same email address, same everything except a different MC number. That's illegal. And we're going to put a stop Yep. So are those the main three that you're seeing, double brokering, identity theft, and these illegal dispatch services? Yeah. And then those kind of all lead into cargo theft and the, they're like the- Right. The and so, the, so I've heard people have their freight, someone picks it up, and obviously it's not the right carrier because they would take it somewhere and hold it hostage, but people are being asked to pay for their freight. So somebody steals it, hides it somewhere and says, hey, Dale, I'm not going to give you your stuff until you- send me some money. And I'm assuming they're going to ask for crypto or send it to some offshore account, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes those ask for, you know, a comm check or something like that. That in and of itself is not illegal because you have to pay for your freight if it's a real guy. But uh, so there's some craziness around that whole situation. But what's happening more than that, though, is the guy that's taking the freight may be a good guy, um, but the double when they get double brokered, they're they'll take they're taking the freight using it as his, but then they'll hire somebody else to take it to deliver it to an intrastate carrier to deliver it to a warehouse. And then it goes to California somewhere, stuck in a warehouse, and they're either selling it from the warehouse or shipping it overseas and making money on it. So the the the, the freight's gone. What I don't understand is how the FBI doesn't get more involved in these two hundred thousand dollar loads. They just say we're trying to do the best we can. It's really not egregious enough. But boy, you steal a 1998 Honda Civic that's Grand Theft Auto and you have the FBI knocking on your door. I don't understand. I look at a lot of this stuff that I've I've said this to people on my podcast before. There was a company that said, hey, could you help us out? We, a very large retailer, 
very large CPG. We they can't get we can't get our proof of delivery, so we're not getting paid on the freight we're delivering. And I was like, "Wait, what? Like that makes no sense." In this day and age, I was thinking you can't take a a picture of the proof of delivery on your phone. And and it, again, these are massive companies. So when somebody says, "Oh, so somebody didn't dot the i's and cross the t," you always think these are the smaller companies. No, big companies are struggling to get this right. And I think we've in the past been a little loosey goosey. And I think we are starting to button it up. And it's companies like Freight Validate and others that are saying, hey guys, this is worth your attention. And it, by the way, everybody pays attention once they've been ripped off. The goal is not to get ripped off. You wouldn't believe how many calls I get that say, hey Dale, can you, I ran this MC number, can you, maybe they're not a customer of ours yet or Usually they're a customer of ours when we have the, the model set up, especially this happened during the free trial portion, really. They would call me and say, Dale, can you check this MC number for me again? It shows a red in my system, but they ripped off a load for me. Well, when you gave them the load, what did they show in Freight Validate? They're a red X, but they were a lot cheaper than the other guy. Oh, yeah. By the way, before we hit record, we had a long talk about this. And I've said this before on my podcast. I might be working with you for five years. And I think Dale and his team are great. Yeah, but these other guys are $20 cheaper. So I switched. Now, I lose the the shorthand that I have with Dale and his team. And now I'm going with this new guy. And surprise, he rips me off or he doesn't understand my business as well as Dale. And he, he raises price, whatever it is. And I always think a lot of the freight stuff that, that we discuss, double brokering, identity theft, the illegal dispatch services, don't happen when you have relationships, when you actually vetted the companies you're working with. I think, and not to victim blame, but I think a lot of shippers and a lot of brokers are looking for the cheapest. And when they find that cheapest guy, they say, that's the winner. That's the winner. I'm sure he'll do a great job on it because he's $30 cheaper than everybody else. Not that he's cutting corners, not that he might be a fraud, we put ourselves at unnecessary risk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and one of the things you mentioned before we, we were, before we hit record was that those same people, they take the, the cheaper route and, and they think the guy maybe isn't going to cut corners. They had to cut some corners to get as cheap as he is. What do his tires look like? Does he, have, does he have all of his tires in his truck? Is the guy a U.S. citizen? Is he a felon? Is he, does he even have an ELD? Does he have a CDL driver's license? Something's missing. Yeah, and again, that's... Uh, I'm all for the technology solutions, bring them. Absolutely. I love the visibility solutions, bring them. But there is something to be said for the relationships. And if you're bringing on a brand new carrier, have a call. Have a, they say, could you send me an email? Send me your emails just so I know that this is what, and is this your phone? I, it makes no sense that, oh, well, they, they they can't talk on the phone. They only want to text me, but they're really low price. And yeah, their website is not secure, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll work with them anyway. There is no AI in the world. There's no artificial intelligence in the world. There's no technology in the world that can replace common sense. We can tell all the rules in the world how to do things, but if that driver, if that shipper doesn't walk out and look at the door to see if that's the guy, I had a customer that called and said, yeah, I told my shipper to go through all this kind of stuff that we're not going to load this guy because the MC number is wrong. And the shipper said, my kid's got a baseball game in 15 minutes. I'm giving you the load, whether you like it or not. <laughs> now, does his boss know that? 
<laughs> Here's $100,000 worth of freight. No AI will fix that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we got to tighten this up. Yeah. When you talk about that, there's no platform that will fix Stella brokering. You're absolutely right. My platform, which I think is among the best at what it does, identity verification, it has to go hand in hand with the common sense. It has to go hand in hand with the company that does what we don't do. Companies like My Carrier Packets or RMIS, those companies are great at onboarding the carrier. So that's, those are important pieces too, making sure the insurance certificates are right, making sure that the contracts are right. I don't check that. But that's why I've been a partner and maybe integrate with companies like that so we can all have this web. It has to be, the FBI doesn't do it with just one officer. He has a web of agents that work in different parts and different ways to solve crimes. And that's how this has to work. We have to work, we work with brokers, we work with shippers, we work with carriers, we work with factory companies, we work with insurance companies. We'll integrate with anybody that wants to because this web has to catch these people and no one can do it alone. They're, and I won't discredit any of the other guys that are trying to do what I'm doing because they're noble for their actions they're trying to do. I respect and appreciate highway. I respect and appreciate Carrier 411, Carrier Sure, Carrier Betting, Tim Bannon, all of those guys. Are they my competitors? No. They're doing their part to solve the problem. And the problem is bigger than all of us. Oh, yeah. And it absolutely is. When you think about all of these shippers out there and, and all the carriers and all the brokers, we, there's a lot of ground to cover. And again, I just think there's, oh, before I forget, a lot of ground to cover. You mentioned before we hit record that during COVID, we had a lot of people from outside the country get involved with brokerage. Please explain how that contributed to some of these challenges. This is opinion of Dale Prax. It's not written anywhere, but I'm just going to tell you after 30 years of experience and living through it, here's what I see as an issue. Even though we had all these great companies that I mentioned before that were in business during that time, most of them were, some were maybe newer after that. Even though they were in place and there were some processes in place, Truckstop reported that during the past four years that fraud has grown by 400%. And if we look at a timeline, we go back to fraud really starting heavy in the 2000, 2000 to 2022. And what I think is that in 2000, when COVID came along around March 2000, so did the freight. We had some of the best years in his, recent history during 2000, 2022, but we couldn't hire the people to handle the influx of freight that was coming in because people were getting paid $600 a week in some places or more by unemployment to stay at home and not work. Yeah. And if their kid couldn't go to school, that was a pretty good option. <laughs> right. So I'm a college student and I'm getting paid $52,000 a year to sit home and play my favorite video game and watch some Scooby-Doo on TV. Why would I want to go to work? And the rest of the country who did want to go to work was on lockdown, even though we were a transportation essential group, we could go to work. The deterrent was I'm paying somebody not to work by having them sit at home. They don't spend money on gas, all this kind of thing. So what was the answer? We had to hire somebody. We had to get this freight moving. We're moving COVID tests. We're moving ventilators. We're moving PPP equipment. We're, all those things were coming along. Amazon went out the roof where somebody's got to haul their freight. So we had to look for nearshoring and farshoring. We had to look overseas to bring people in. So that's what we did. We went to Ukraine. We went to Colombia. We went to the Philippines. We hired many people outside the United States just to fill our voids. Fast forward, COVID starts to end. People aren't getting the money anymore. People are starting to have to go back to work. We start taking those jobs back away from some of those third world countries 
who you know at five hundred dollars a week. Some of us in this in this business are at the point in our careers we're making money to buy a new boat or buy a new RV. They're making their money to eat, to feed their family. This is life or death for them to make money. So when we took that all away from them, they're starting to say, "Wait a second! Now I've been doing this for four years now. And I'm a pretty good broker working for this company that hired me. Since they're taking away my livelihood for." 15 of us in this office, we'll just start our own brokerage company or our own carrier company. Because what do you need to get an MC number? You need $300. You need a Visa gift card that you can get at Walmart. And you need a BOC authority, right? All can be done online. You, when you check your box that says, are you a US citizen? Is anybody checking? If you wrote no and you, it really should be yes or yes and it should be no, no one's checking. You get an address for a, a post office box in Worcester, Massachusetts, no one's checking that. You have your friend that lives there, check your mail for you. No one's checking you're not working in a virtual office. So these guys were in business. The carrier side, they could very easily, $300 on a Visa gift card, get a VIN number for a truck that's in a junkyard or on sale on eBay. And an insurance company that'll insure the truck, insurance companies were doing it. We found some crooked insurance companies that would say, okay, you have to pay me up front $20,000 and we'll insure the truck. We know there's never going to be a cargo claim because that truck's never going to haul any freight. We know there's never going to be an accident because there's no driver and all that price can be double broker. So that's what really led us into this whole thing. And that's where we thought back in April that a big problem of this is, ident- is the identity verification. We're not identifying who these people are. They're saying their name is Theodore Nugent. And we know the terrible tents from Detroit is not from Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think one of the, you described it very well there. We're more connected than ever. The idea that I could do business with somebody in Europe or Latin America, that, not so long ago, that was no way that we're not connected properly. The internet's given us that. We can now be virtual. It's very easy. We do have so many partners overseas, and most of them are very legit partners. I work with Lean Solutions Group, totally legit. I know you do some work with Hubtech, totally legit companies. This is not the problem. It's the problem is as soon as we start involving the rest of the world and opening our doors to it, it, just the vast majority are going to be good actors, but all it takes is a few bad actors. And we've, what we've always found in, in when it comes to crime, some of the most creative people in the world find themselves in that, in that crime business. If they worked that hard being legit, they would be very good. I want to make sure I make this uh, a point. You mentioned Lean and, and HubTech. Two very good companies. I, I happen to work with HubTech. I love HubTech. I love everything about them. And so that's a different kind of arrangement because you're working with a U.S. Co- company that's the employer of record in that country, and everything's legit. What the bad guys are doing is just hiring a friend of theirs and paying them, avoiding taxes, avoiding all those kind of things. And so that's where it becomes an issue. Now, I swear by nearshoring and the folks in Colombia, especially, like I said, HubTech. Yeah, this podcast is going to be is going to be edited by by Natalie down in Columbia. <laughs> well, I, mean, I love the guys. Too. I just happened to choose HubTech at that time. That's who I was with. But I have a lot. I have a lot of things to say about the. Let's just say the people of Columbia, whichever company they work for. I've had nothing but good things to say about them or with them. Yep, excellent, excellent. So, anyway, let's talk. Let's wrap this bad boy up. So we're talking with Dale Prax, and we're talking about preventing freight fraud. And we talked about a a few different types. Double brokering, we talked about what that is. We talked about identity theft. We talked about illegal dispatch services or idiots, as you call them. (laughs) Good name. Uh, We talked about just the nature of our business is lending itself. We're more connected to the outside world, uh, outside the US, more than ever before. 
the technologies enable. And by the way, the, the more we take people out of the day to day and say, oh, that's automated. We all want to do that when we don't want a whole bunch of clerk work if we don't have to have it. But it lends itself to automated things. And all of a sudden there's uh, people ripping you off in the middle. So there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons how we got here. And you've got a you've got a way to get us out of it. So tell us final thoughts on this topic and then tell us why we should consider working with Free Validate and also Direct Expedite. Sure. I, I think that you made some great points about technology and everything. And my idea behind technology is not to take jobs away from people, but I want to put people back into being people and, and working with people. I think it's important that the mundane things can go away and we can have a robot or process take care of that. But we've got to get back into the thing of picking up the phone and talking to a driver and asking him how his kids are and developing relationships. Those things computers can't do. That's very important to me. I think that I'm very proud to have been named Denim. I think they're one of your sponsors. They named me as a smart broker of the year last year. And I, I feel really humbled by that. But I'll tell you that I've spent the last you know several years trying to bring brokers and carriers together, trying to fight fraud, trying to make a, a, a a, a transportation company that's a pioneer in some of these things that will make a better quality of life for employees, for dispatchers, for owner operators, for everybody. And I'm just really proud to be associated with that group of people and have them recognize me for doing it because I'm going to continue working as hard as I can to prevent fraud and to have a great transportation, expedited transportation company for my customers to use. Why should you use Freight Validate? Because we deal, we're unbiased, we're not, we're fair. We look at things that are objective rather than subjective, although those matters, those items matter too. And that's why we don't, can't do it all ourselves. So we are very accurate, very affordable. I don't think there's anybody else that's doing this for 60, I think for a track, for a trucking company now, $69 a year to use our services. It's really reasonable. I'm not out there to rip anybody off. I'm out there to help them, but I also have to pay for it somehow. If you can avoid one, one <laughs> challenge over five years. <laughs> that's it pays for five years of this that's right. what it comes down to absolutely and, and on direct, the direct expedite side i would also say i've heard people say this on my podcast there's a lot of freight brokers a lot of small carriers that are one bad load away from out of business in this very difficult market no one wants to spend extra money on stuff like this but you could also lose it all yeah i have to tell you something funny is that for six months i had beta testing on this program i made it, i did it for free Everybody got to have the program for free. 400 people signed up for it. They were using it every single day. But I was dumping a lot of money into it because I had a mission behind it. And my wife said, if you don't start charging somebody for it, we're going to pay this back with your life insurance policy. So <laughs> we're not ripping anybody off. We're just trying to pay the bills. We're not, this isn't a, a huge profit thing at this point. And just going back to direct expedite side, we have a tremendous team of people that work there. We have taken away a lot of their mundane tasks so that they can talk to our customers. They do talk to our vendors. They talk to our drivers. They get to know these people, build those relationships that you're talking about where they're not looking for a new carrier every day to take our freight. We're looking, we're using the guys that we know, we trust, we like, we know what their birthday is. We know that they had a baby. We know that they had new puppies. We know those kind of things. Those are important. Those are people things. We've got to get back to the days of the, the 80s and 90s when you go have a beer with your friend who's maybe a competitor and you can talk about business openly and not be worried that, oh, he's going to go steal my customer. Those days, if you're good, your customer's going to stay with you. If you're loyal, your customer's going to stay with you. Let's work together. We mentioned Dan Lindsley while we were off before. He, doing a tremendous job with the- Carrier Broker Summit. That is incredible that somebody's finally stepped up and said, I'm going to be the guy. 
I want to put this together. I like guys to say that they're going to be the guy. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, we just to put a just to hammer it home one more time. These technologies and stuff like with you creating, we absolutely need them. But you also made the point relationship solves a lot of these problems. Have some long-term relationships, vet your partners, and keep connected. I, I joke about this, but it's no joke. Any customer you have that holds you at arm's length, you're going to lose them. You're going to fire them or they're going to fire you. It's the relation, and you can feel it. We've all worked with somebody who you go, I can do more for them if they would just answer the phone, if they would just talk to me one time. And then at some point they're like, yeah, it's just not working out. You're like, yeah, trust me. I know. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, so I was connected to you by my friends over at Denim. And first off, you work with Denim. Why do you work with Denim? What do you like about working with those guys? First off, tell them what they do. Yeah, I can tell you. I can't say enough good things about that company from their CEO, to their co-founder, Sean, and B down to everybody that works there. We started working with them about the same time they came in business back in 2019, I believe it was. And the thing we really like about Denim is that they can adapt. We say in the, in the Marine Corps, improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's what those guys do on a daily basis for our business. They put themselves in the, the shoes of a broker and understand how the inner workings work and how they can make it better and make us make more money. These guys, when it comes to technology, we work together. My daughter, who's our, our VP of finance, worked together with the folks over at Denim and with some other folks putting together some technology. And they were very good about helping us do this. It used to take her two and a half hours to do our invoicing. Now it takes 12 and a half minutes. So a little maybe bias on why we, I want to make sure that happened. She's the mother of my grandkids. So I want her to have more time with her kids than shuffling invoices back and forth. And Denim make me spend more time with my grandkids or her spend more time with my grandkids. So they're just a special group of people that are probably my favorite factory company that I've worked with. And I've worked with several over the last 30 years. But some people ask me, do they pay you to, to, to endorse them? And they don't. They're, just, they're one of my vendors who I have a lot of respect for. I think they're fantastic in what they do. And I, I've, said this, I've said this on the record. I'll say it off the record. If somebody offered me to do the factoring, their factoring service for free, I wouldn't switch from that. Yeah. And by the way, I just interviewed, I interviewed Sean Vo, one of the founders, and I interviewed his best buddy, B. And I just published the podcast with him this week, and it was called Financial Predator versus Partner. And what they've endeavored to do since the very beginning is be that partner. When somebody hears factoring or anything else like that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's that high interest or whatever. They have an approach that says we want long-term customers. We want a relationship that, that helps you grow your business. And they also provide a lot of value in the analytics. I, just, I got a demo not so long ago, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And it's, it gives you a list of here's who pays me on time. Here's who pays me slow. Here's my low-margin customers. Here's my high-margin customers. So you get stuff that the big guys take for granted but the average small broker never gets, the average small carrier never gets. And those are things that help build those relationships you've been talking about. Know your customer. So yeah, I, I couldn't say it. I, another thing where we're a good fit on, they're my, comp, they're my uh, vendor for Direct Exponent, but they're also becoming a partner with us on Direct X, on, on Freight Validate because they have the same philosophy we have. If a person gets his authority today, a lot of people won't hire because brand new. Well, what's happened in the last 30 to 60 days, companies like Yellow go out of business. 
these big corporate places. Now you have truck drivers who've been driving for 30 years that go out of business and say, I'm tired of the corporate deal. I'm going to go buy a truck and I'm going to start my own company. Now, is it fair to not to give them freight for 60, 90, 120 days? Not really. Let's vet them, make sure they are who they say they are through Freight Validate, and then let's send them over to Denim, who will finance them because they've gone through a vetting process with themselves too. And they're not disqualified just based on the number of months they've been been or not been out of business. Because let me tell you a secret. A bad guy, after six months, when you let him back on, he's still a bad guy. Exactly. You just start using him later. Yeah. When I talked to B from Denim, he said, I talked to Dale Prax. I'm asking you, because I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, Dale. People are killing it in the space. Who else should I interview? If I There's one name that comes to my mind, and he's been a, just a huge mentor for me and what I'm doing it with not only my brokerage company, but with Freight Validate, because he's just a brilliant guy. And his name is Hank Seaton. He's an attorney from Nashville, Tennessee. He's a transportation specialist attorney who knows the ins and outs of everything to do with transportation, from, from fraud to contracts insurance, constructive. Oh, and all those catastrophic verdicts. We all have to concern ourselves with this. Right. And he comes from the approach of a broker, carrier, shipper. He knows all of that stuff. He was here before deregulation, saw the brokers take things over. He's been around the block. And so I go to Hank. I I bet Hank and I talk, and he's an attorney, so he likes to talk. But I bet we talk four or five times a week. And I think that I hold him in high regard guys like you mentioned, like B and Sean. Guys are just really, when I said, I want to be that guy, Dan Lizzie, I want to be that guy. I like guys that want to be that guy. And Hank's one of those guys. Hook me up. I, I would love to talk to him. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your websites and any other links you give me. We'll put those in the show notes. And so what conferences will we see you at in the new year? I think the first one will be Manifest out in Vegas. I will see you there. Great, great. I'm hoping to be there with uh, my friends at Denim will be there. Uh, uh, Jay and his folks over at uh, My Carrier Packets will be there. Uh, so we have some really great partners that will be there. I like going to things like that because technology talks a lot at those games. I should also say, since I'm a, uh, I'm a media partner with Manifest, you notice they changed the name this year. It's called Manifest, um, the Future of Logistics and Supply Chain. It used to be Future of Logistics. And they want to make the point to everybody who's listening that there will be even more shippers. By the way, there were a lot of shippers last year. I know because I moderated the shipper panel and uh, big companies and just all sorts of companies. It's, I think there's going to be 4,000 people there. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And then, of course, in Kansas City in April at the Broker Carrier Summit. All right. We brought this up before, but you talked about a couple of guys, the strongest man logistics and, and Dennis. Right, this is on the podcast. Yep. That's and Dan over there. I just, I take my hat off. Robert Baines, the strongest man in logistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not counting us. Not- <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, he, he and I did some at the last uh, Broker Carrier Summit. We did some seminars together and just a brilliant, another brilliant guy in our industry, knows a lot about it, been around the block. I wouldn't want to have him put me in a headlock or anything, but I like being around him because he's a smart guy. He's a, he's a wonderful guy. Yeah. So I will see you at Manifest. I might see you at either TIA or Broker Carrier Summit, all great events. Um, and TIA is in Phoenix in April. Yeah, right. Manifest is in February in Vegas and- Broker Carrier Summit is 
Kansas City. Kansas City. All right. All right. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Again, what we'll do is put a link to your LinkedIn profile and any other link you and your marketing team give me. We'll put those in the show notes. And thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. And I, I really, Joe, I like what you're doing too. You're one of those guys. You know what I'm talking about? One of those guys who want to be one of those guys. So I really appreciate what you're doing because you're making us all smarter. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.